Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Hey, hi, hello. Welcome back to the Hunter Hunter podcast, a subsection of the HBO Boys podcast. I am one of your local HBO boys, Ryan. James and I, by the way, are now doing a His Dark Materials podcast. Go check that out on the main channel when that goes up. But for right now, we're back to my favorite current anime that I'm watching. The only one, to be fair. And we're back with episode 11, Trouble with the Gamble. The summary of which goes like this. Mr. Oreo is in a gambling showdown with their remaining time limit on the line. Soon enough, Mr. Oreo only has 10 hours remaining. What an idiot. With no room for error, Mr. Oreo turns to a bet involving rock, paper, scissors. Mr. Oreo was confident going in, but he falls to his opponent's mind games. Of course he does. Two wins, two losses. The group is in a tight spot, and their fate rests upon Kilowatt. So, as we continue within the first half of the first arc in Hunter Hunter, the Hunter arc, as it's called, I believe, it has been a few bottle episodes in a row. Bottle episodes are episodes of television where you're only in one room the entire time. We've been in this one room in Trick Tower during the third phase of the 287th Hunter exam for quite a while, I will tell you. Mr. Oreo is facing LaRoot, and it shall be a game of chance, a gamble if you will, which I personally will, because LaRoot wants it that way. Gambling is her overall vibe, and Mr. Oreo is a dink. And I'll be honest, before I go on, I'm psyched to get out of this room whenever it occurs. One bottle episode is interesting, I would argue. Three causes bone-scraping chills that I'm kind of over, but I'm not over the show. That's for dang sure. Actually, I think it stands to reason that if I was binging this show and not doing a show about it, where I stop every time after I watch one episode, I would be totally fine in this moment because it would not have taken me weeks to get through one room in a story. You know. Anywho, let's watch Mr. Oreo fail, one of my favorite pastimes. But before we do, I shall remind y'all that we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash HBOboys, boys with a Z. One dollar or more a month, we put up a bunch of bonus content. We're doing this really cool Call to Cthulhu campaign that James put so much time and effort into. He fucking killed it it's so good he's a great DD dm or gm however you want to say it the first episode of which is up on the main channel and the second of which will be on the patreon i try to turn on the recording before we do main channel episodes so that we get like pre-episode banter which is always fun so yeah it's only a dollar a month bunch of stuff up there patreon.com support the show so Mr. Oreo and crew have 20 hours remaining after the Majitani bet and are up 2-1 to one in the series, so they only need one more victory to move forward, as LaRoot chooses her competition, which is a series of bets with time as the currency. At this point, LaRoot's shackles are removed and she takes off her robe, and it reveals that she's a straight dime piece, and this immediately makes Mr. Oreo even more useless than he normally is. 
Kilowatt, from afar, calls Mr. Oreo a pervert, which is hilarious, and Pika Pika is concerned, as he always is, and Gon looks like his balls just dropped, or he's confused. It's always very hard to tell. The first bet that LaRue wagers is whether or not she's a man or a woman, to which Mr. Oreo says internally, she is definitely a woman, so this will not be a problem. And I'm sorry, Mr. Oreo, but your views on how binary gender can be is another notch on the dink belt, okay? How dare you? Mr. Oreo says that, what if I bet you're a man? How am I going to tell? And she's like, well, I'll show you all the pertinent parts of my body. Easy peasy. That's how you'll know. And he was like, oh, perfect. You're a man. <laughs> now, let me come in inconspicuously touch your whole bod, did. Which she's like, great. That apparently does not matter to me in the slightest. Yeah, come over here. Do that. You just lost. I like winning and I don't mind being felt up by strangers. It's weird. <laughs> Gone then is like confused, asks the crowd what's actually going on. So it turns out his balls are still in the sky and he's just generally still, as I said, confused, which is oddly comforting. Then Mr. Oreo walks over there and we assume feels LaRue up. We don't actually know because the show doesn't show us. And then it just cuts to Mr. Oreo metaphorically rising to heaven as an angel, which I can safely say was both gross and delightfully surprising. That shit's not happening in Dragon Ball. I'll tell you that right now. Mr. Oreo walks back saying he regrets nothing and his hand is emanating pink bubbles, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is this hand's way of saying I was just inside someone. It's vibes. Weird. The rookie crusher then begins to take us on a school trip, describing how someone who is betting safe to minimize damage will always lose if the person they're facing knows their game, which is not a lesson I needed to learn and kind of felt like a waste of time from a character I'm always angry at and I'm mad isn't dead. Then Mr. Oreo literally smells his hand while LaRoute discusses his gambling style internally. And this is either the best show ever made or complete trash. And that mystery... That specific mystery as to which one it is, is one of the most endearing parts of the show. Once again, to remind everybody, after that insane part, if Mr. Oreo loses, they lose 50 hours off the time they have to get to the bottom of the tower, and they still need to win one more if he does lose to get past this room, and now it is his turn to make a bet. Gon posits that Mr. Oreo should bet on if he is a teenager or not, and then Mr. Oreo ruins that bet by screaming out loud that he's not a teenager, and that takes LaRue by surprise because, one, he does look old, and two, she might be going to jail again, but for something entirely different. Mr. Oreo then says, let's bet on rock, paper, scissors, at which point Pika Pika says that he's a dumb, dumb idiot boy. Why would he do that? That's such a difficult wager. And I was like, all right, well, I know now that a math lesson is coming. This show has proven to me that any time something to do with stakes occurs, either Pika Pika kilowatt or the rookie crusher is about to teach us a lesson i was like oh, okay well let's do this and get by it mr oreo claims internally that he is a rock paper scissors master and has recently won a tournament there are rock paper scissors tournaments apparently which is insane larue bets 80 hours that she'll win which is even more insane because mr oreo only has 10 to work with so she's just doing this to psych him out and with that we poured away to a rock paper scissors lesson with pika pika as I called, where he explains that it's not just a game of chance, it's more a game of wits, which is bad because, as we all know, Mr. Oreo is adult. Just when they're about to start, LaRue then claims that she is able to read Mr. Oreo's dumb dumb mind, and she already knows what he's going to use. Mr. Oreo starts to panic and refuses to believe it, but LaRue calmly says that he will believe her soon enough when she crushes him! This in turn makes Mr. Oreo lose his cool even more, 
and then he uses rock as stated simultaneously by Pika Pika in his impromptu gaming lesson that nervous people unconsciously do to avoid any action that involves opening up. Also, for the record, they put their hands out on scissors. You know, rock, paper, scissors. And that was the end. They didn't do rock, paper, scissor, go. Which is sacrilege, and I will not stand for it. Also, this reminds me of the Middle Ditch and Schwartz moment. It's on Netflix, under the same name I just uttered, where two pals are playing a game of rock, paper, scissors during their improv show, and the person who was definitely getting mentally dominated on stage at the time threw rock and lost. And now I wonder if the other guy who was dominating Thomas Middle Ditch mentally in that moment has ever watched Hunter Hunter and knew what to do because of this show. Hmm. You can't see it, but I'm pondering. I'm tapping my chin as to make it incredibly clear to everyone that I am within thought. Anyway, LaRoot then reminds Mr. Oreo that the actual goal here is to waste time as much as possible and that creating a series of draws is to her benefit and that she could just keep doing that because she can read his mind so goddamn easily. But she's not going to do that because of the love of the game and she likes winning so on and so forth. So they do a second round, and Mr. Oreo is still unable to calm down, so he uses rock again, as she knew that he would. LaRue uses paper, and wins the match, causing a 50-hour penalty, and the score to be 2-2. Two to two. What a colossal idiot. They now have 59 hours and 49 minutes left, according to the onlooking warden, who is still eating cookies. Does this man have the metabolism of a hummingbird? Lippo, dude. You've been eating cookies? For four straight episodes. I, you know, I listened to one of these episodes back recently. And I was like, okay, I am talking way too fast. I can't even understand what's going on myself. And I did the episode. And also, I use too many voices. I don't use voices on the show I do with James. Because James is like, stop doing that. Why are you? (laughs) Like, it's not good. You're not good at them. Which is untrue. Look how good I am. Look upon my amazing effort anyway i'm gonna be listening back to this part weeks down the line and be like you're as big an idiot as mr oreo is you stupid boy (laughs) so the last match as it turns out will be against Jonas, also known as Jonas the dissector which is a great nickname he was the most notorious mass murderer in zaban city history and it will be facing kilowatt who, as we know, but Jonas and, you know, most of the adventuring party doesn't know, is OP as fuck. As Lippo starts to remove Jonas's handcuffs, the other prisoners start to take a step back to avoid him, except for Majitani, because he's stupid, who walks up to Jonas and is subsequently slammed into the wall. Jonas then removes his robe, and Mr. Oreo recognizes him immediately as the serial killer, and is like, Kilowatt, uh... Don't do this. You're going to lose. Prior to being captured, Jonas killed 146 people, all who were torn into at least 50 pieces by using his bare goddamn hands. In some cases, his victims were torn into a thousand pieces, which is too many pieces. Too much time. This guy has a lot of time in his hands. When he was arrested, Jonas didn't even resist. Instead, he tore a large piece of flesh out of the left arm of the police officer for shits and gigs. And, for all these crimes, he was sentenced to 968 years in prison. Which is very specific. A lot. Kilowatt then says, okie dokie, you're a serial murderer. So, let's settle this match the old-fashioned way. 
and do an actual death match. As you might recall, Mashitani's match with Pika Pika was supposed to be a death match, but that had weird caveats. But Kilowatt and Jonas are like, nah, nah, nah. Let's fight to the death. I gotta stop. <laughs> Jonas replies that he doesn't even care about the exam. He just wants to hear Kilowatt die, <laughs> which is pretty gnar. And Kilowatt, it's like, okay, that sounds fine. Let's uh, fight to the death. Let's do this. Then, before Jonas can even move at all, Kilowatt does that thing that he was doing around Netero on the airship and gone, by the way, where he turns into many versions of himself, has a blue hue to him, and vaults forward, ripping out Jonas's heart in a goddamn instant, which was dope as fuck, and it shocks everyone. Again, something that's not going to be happening on Dragon Ball. Majin Buu's heart isn't getting ripped out of his goddamn chest. Jonas then pleads with him to give his heart back. <laughs> Which is funny. He's like, that's my heart. Give it back. Like, ah, I don't know if you can just, like, put the heart back in and that will work. I'm not sure that's how bodies function. And, you know, Jonas's heart stops beating. And then he's dead. In the manga, apparently, and the 1999 version as well, Kilowatt crushes Jonas's heart. But in the 2011 series, he puts it in Jonas's dead hand, which I would argue are both pretty gnarly. Those are neat things to do after you murder someone. Cool. This is a great moment, not only because a tiny child just ripped a gigantic mass murderer's heart out in an instant, but also because everyone standing in that room has just figured out something they did not know previously, which was they've been standing next to, or have just met from across the room because they're prisoners, a talented assassin, perhaps the most talented one they've ever met in their entire lives, perhaps the most dangerous person they've ever met, and they were all, during this time, only one decision by kilowatts away from death. Well, except for Gon, who then actually calmly explains that Kilowatt's family was a bunch of assassins and that no one should ever be surprised, except for, you know, Kilowatt and Gon didn't tell that to everybody, so they are. Mr. Oreo is literally shitting his pants, which is good. I, I enjoy that part where he, Mr. Oreo feels stress. As Gon's like, oh yeah, my friend over there, <laughs> that kid with the white hair, he is a terrifying Terminator. This then puts the score at 3-2 to two in favor of the adventuring squad. A small path suddenly appears, which leads them to a small room that they now must wait 50 hours. The same 50 hours that Mr. Oreo gambled away. And are we moving to another room for an entire episode? God, I hope not. Meanwhile, we see at the bottom of the tower, Gedarakor is seen at the finishing line, passing and finishing second in 12 hours, which I believe is six hours slower than Hisaka did. Although I can't remember hundo percent. Correct me if I'm wrong, internet. And then is very quickly followed by Hanzo, dragon striking his way to the bottom of the tower, but who is big mad because he is in third. We then get a glimpse of what the room looks like where they have to spend the next 50 hours, our adventuring squad does, and it actually looks pretty cool. It has a refrigerator, which hopefully has like a bunch of jello shots in it, snack packs, and there's also couches. It looks pretty cozy, at which point... Pika asks Kilowatt as they walk in, hey, can you show me that technique that you used to grab that dude's heart out? And Kilowatt was like, uh, um, well, not exactly a technique. I, like, I made my hand like a vampire hand with sharp nails because apparently I can do that. And then I put it into his body and then I took it out of his body, ripping out his heart, you know, through transfiguration and then uh, forced organ removal. So... 
not so much something I can like show you, you know. Kilowatt then also mentions that his father would have done much better, apparently, at removing somebody's heart. And when he has seen his father remove someone's heart in the past, there wasn't even a drop of blood. And I was like, that's a weird detail. Pika then says to himself, okay, at least you're on our side. Except for he doesn't laugh, because uh, Pika doesn't laugh. He's a stolid son of a bitch. And then a wild... Gone and his team of five have passed with three wins and two losses, but now must spend their 50-hour penalty here in this tiny room. And unfortunately, they're running out of time. And hopefully, God, I hope we're not in this room the whole time. Next episode. I shudder to say that it's dragging a little bit. And TBF... To be fair, that was remedied slightly because a child just ripped a heart out of a body, which I'm going to remember for a long, long time. And I hope you remember this podcast for a long, long time. Transitions. Thank you for being here with me once more. And if you'd like to check your vibes on the show, let me know what your thoughts are on this podcast or Hunter Hunter in general. Please head over to Westworld Ryan on Twitter and tell me about it. You can also send us an email at the Westworld Podcast at gmail.com. We used to be the Westworld Podcast before we were the HBO boys. We haven't changed our email, and I'm not going to. So, Plus, you can join our patrons-only Discord if you join the Patreon. Patreon.com slash HBO boys boys with a Z. Y'all have been neat. Thanks for listening to me shout. I really do appreciate it. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs>